Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Bloodlust of Bourbon podcast. My name is Stephen. I'm Hannah. Hey, y'all, this is Troy. All right, and today we're going to do our second hot takes episode. It took me until about three hours ago to figure out what the hell I was going to do. So Same, same here. Big time. Uh, Hannah actually was the one that was like, oh, you should do this. And I was like, you know what? That sounds good. I should do that. Maybe I should come up with my own next time. But I'm so know. curious what yours is, because I know, um, I know Stephen, I know you and me pretty much align with just various things on what we agree with. Um uh, not w- Hannah, absolutely valid. Like, I, I don't want to I, I don't want to imply that that's not the case. I'm just saying it seems like me and Stephen agree pretty much. And then um, obviously have different opinions. Um, I'm certainly excited to hear those. Oh, yeah. All my takes are hot takes. Like the only hard thing for me is narrowing down. Like, which one am I going to yell about this month? <laughs> All right. Before we get into that, though, uh, I'm drinking. Uh, I have a shot of Jaeger and oh boy, uh, uh, zombie dust from Three Floyds, an IPA from them. Oh, nice, nice. Um, Same as Steve, minus the Jaeger. I can't do Jaeger. I have to work in the morning. Can't can't do Jaeger. I think to me it tastes too much like um, like licorice. Somebody mm-hmm. told me it didn't, and I'm like, yeah, it does. But I, I'm not a I'm not a fan. Uh, but I'm I'm drinking. Um, uh, Jim Beam and some uh, really s- spicy ginger ale. I, I, I got Canada Dry and I got um, Canada Dry Bold. And I was like, what's different about Bold? And I had it and I'm like, oh, it has like the faintest bit of heat in the back of my throat when I just regularly drink it. I'm like, I, I, I've tended to, uh, tended, I've tended. I have been drinking ginger ale more so than Coke with um, my bourbon and I enjoy it more. So I've been going down that road. That's cool. I also have a little bit of heat in the back of my throat, but that's just seasonal allergies and not, uh, (laughs) not ginger ale. All right. So let's get into what we've been watching. I know you all want to talk about a certain movie that I talked about on the minisode. So why don't you all start with Malignant? Yeah, so um, I saw Malignant. Um, Just so I didn't hate it. Um, I certainly I certainly wasn't as hyped up as like everything I read about it was, everything I saw about it. I didn't spoil it, but within the first like 10 minutes, that first little opening sequence, I'm like, Oh, this is so similar to, um, to basket case. That's why I like keep bringing basket case up. And, um, so fun fact is I, I started making like horror related TikToks, um, very short things. I am doing a, a 31 day movie challenge, um, which pales in, cons- in comparison to your 100 day <laughs> movie watching challenge. Um, but this one specifically has a category for each day. And I'm, I'm mostly making these to, uh, uh, to hold myself accountable to watch these movies. I'm going to post, you know, like a 15 second little update every day. Anyways, I was talking about malignant and um, I was talking about basket case and I was like, well, basket case is about, uh, two young boys that are conjoined um, at birth, but they grow up a little bit, but then they're uh, forcefully separated. And then the uh, monster brother uh, stays with the older brother in, or I guess they're the same age, uh, but eventually enacts revenge on all the doctors and people that did them wrong. And then also they're psychically, psychically connected. And there's also a, a, an incredible like final scene of carnage and stuff too. There's so many, like so many parallels between basket case and malignant that I was like, really? And no one had talked about it. I didn't see anything about that when I read anything or saw anything. I was genuinely surprised. Yeah. I had seen one tweet where someone had mentioned basket case. So it was at least sort of spoiled for me. Cause I had that in the back of my head that yeah. like I've seen basket case 
once. So I don't have the nearly the memory of it that you have, but I knew it was like a conjoined twin thing. So I had that kind of percolating. I wasn't surprised really when it turned out that that was the the big secret of it. Yeah, same here. But yeah, I kept thinking um, there was a movie we watched earlier this year or last year that frankly I didn't think was very good uh, called Z where the whole thing was like this woman had had a, an imaginary friend in high school or in childhood. Okay. And it was supernatural and it's stalking her now as an adult. And I was like, okay, yeah. So got all these back uh, flashbacks of this woman talking to this, you know, psychic twin thing when she was little. Okay. Yeah. This is like Z. And then there's a movie called Daniel. Is it real? Where this, again, it was kind of like his imaginary friend, but also a, a demon, I guess, who's possessing this boy's body and making him commit these crimes. And I'm like, okay, Daniel's right. like, it felt like a very familiar plot to me. And right. I didn't, I didn't hate the movie at all. Like I didn't love it, but it was, it was fine. But I keep seeing people are just amazed by it and say, oh, this is this was brain melting. It was just I can't imagine. How did they do that? Like, have you have you seen movies? Like, yeah, no, was, I know exactly. Fine, what you mean. But like this is not something that unusual. I don't know where you've been for this long time. Right. Um, no, I agree wholeheartedly. I, I think I think what it is, is that the people freaking out. It it comes across to me like people that just aren't, you know, avid horror watchers, um, which I say that, but at the same time, I saw a lot of like horror, horror centric uh, publications and uh, Facebook pages and stuff that were, you know, going on and on and on about it. Like it's this crazy thing. Right. And then, you know, I watch it and I'm like, Oh, it's, it's literally another, you know, James Wan movie. And when I say that, because I was expecting this to be completely different than like all of his other stuff. The house looks the same as his other houses he fucking uses in his movies. I swear to God, all of this, you could interchange any of those houses, like the interiors. I wouldn't be able to tell you which one's which. It doesn't matter. Yeah, like his his lighting style and his set design are similar in every movie. Mm-hmm. It feels like do you remember what I told you all too about how the interiors look exponentially larger than what they look at on the outside? I was watching um, a, like an actual per. I was watching like a realtor uh, showcase a home, like a Victorian style home, like that kind of house. And that looks very similar on the outside as far as size. And when you go inside, the inside looks, doesn't look bigger. It, it was, it's kind of like a, like a Willy Wonka thing or something. I don't fucking know. Like some extra space dimension inside of his uh, fucking houses. Um, I also think it's really like the movie was too high budget and flashy for me. I I wish it had, uh, I I mentioned this to you guys too. I I wish it was done. Maybe if this was done by a director that was uh, more familiar or more, uh, did you know did more like nostalgia stuff like Sam Raimi or James Gunn I feel like it would have had a better vibe to it but the movie felt so high budget for the stuff that it was trying to do like it didn't make a lot of sense to have this like weird crazy monster in this super flashy movie like the movie it's fine I like high like I like high budget horror movies but it's just it was so flashy I I wasn't a fan of that I guess my take on it, I listen to uh, the Horror Queers. If you ever listen to their podcast, they are absolutely great. No, they I don't, did, but I will. Oh, yeah, they're fantastic. They're my my favorite podcast probably to listen to. Um, they did, it's a Patreon episode. I think it's like the $3 level episode on Malignant. And they went through the hallmarks of Giallo films and read off like, okay, Malignant hits this and this and this, and it didn't hit this and this. And one of them was like bad special effects, which of course this absolutely had and like poor characterization and bad acting. And it was funny because it was a lot of the things they listed as hallmarks were things that people complained about with this movie. And 
like on the one hand, I respect Juan, and I'm like really 50-50 on him as a director, but I respect him for knowing what he wanted to do and achieving it. I'm not convinced it was the best decision to make if it's going to look to your regular audience like you're just making a bad film. Yeah, for sure. Um I, I tried I mean, to work for oh I'm so sorry. I mean to cut you off. It's okay. I mean, like a lot of the the trademarks of Giallos are because of the budget. Like the bad right. special effects and, and some of the even the acting, like if you don't have proper acting coaches or you can't afford a lot of the directors are the people that are, you know, producing the films too or whatever, and they don't have the money or or necessarily uh the training that they need to direct actors, like all of that right. comes back to to the budget that these movies have. So a giallo that or or a giallo influenced one that has a high budget still maybe doesn't work as well yeah. as a nostalgia thing. That's that is that is uh my that was kind of one of my other complaints too. It's because um the thing is the, the I was actually on the lookout for things that were giallo related. And I was like, okay, you have like a black glove killer. That was the biggest, in, mm-hmm. in my opinion, that was the biggest hallmark of a giallo film was the black glove killer. Also, you have like elements of, um, you know, the the protagonist being able to be somewhat connected with mm-hmm. um, the villain as well. But I, with those little tiny things, I never got like the, I never got a vibe that the movie felt like a giallo at any point in time. Like it was so fast and so like back and forth. And like, I, I thought that, okay. I thought the, uh, I thought the part where with her abusive husband I thought it was really shallow. I I thought that was just so, I don't know. I I felt like it was so simple. Like I didn't think there was any depth to any of that. And so I I get where it was, it transitioned. It was supposed to, you know, obviously make it so where her head gets hit. Therefore it reactivates or like fully activates (laughs) the, the uh, monster inside of her to go do all these things. Um, but there were parts like that that I was like, oh, okay. Um, and they just, I don't know. Um, I was like, uh, they weren't effective to me. Like for me, like I, I was like, um, they just, I don't know. It just didn't come across like, uh, like a giallo, I, I guess. Um, uh, I don't really know what there to were, say much more than that. There were, there were parts where like, you could tell he was trying like the intense colored lighting, like the red, the super yes. red lighting, yeah, stuff like that. <clears throat> but yeah, I think that I think that doesn't come off to me. It's necessarily a giallo either. Yeah, but I I see what people are saying though. I see what the 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 intent of bad acting and the intent of bad special effects. But to me, when I watch a giallo, they're not purposefully bad. No, they're no. they're bad because of budget. They're bad because of independent, like they're an independent movie. Well, you know, they don't they don't have the connections they need to make a proper movie. It's not, you know, they did it on purpose. I which which say, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, which you know, people make nostalgia movies all the time on purpose. So yeah. who am I to you know judge that? But sure, that that's my thought. Yeah, I think. Um, I was going to, I just lost my train of thought. Um, I, I do think that uh, the plot holes were uh, like the, when I say plot holes, I mean, for instance, why was the, um, why was the killer? Like, why was he super strong or why were they super strong? Uh, why were they psychically connected? Why could they, why could it speak through, uh, control electricity and speak to the radio. There's these things, and I feel like the movie is so flashy and so clean looking that they're more glaring. Whenever I'm watching something, say, uh, for instance, um, a dirtier looking movie like Maniac or a Larry Cohen movie set in like dirty New York in the 70s, 80s, exploitation sort of aesthetic and vibes, I can overlook so much of that stuff because I watched you know tons of movies that have ridiculous 
shit in them. You know what I mean? So many movies have just completely ridiculous, dumb things in them. For James Wan, the movie looks really crisp and pristine, and it seems out of place to have just like a glaring thing like that that doesn't make too much sense. Like it, it, it they don't explain in any in any capacity why this thing has these abilities. It's it, or if it is, it's very shallow. Um, and I, uh, <laughs> uh, I also thought that I like the end. But I, I agree with going all the way back to what was first said. Um, I thought it was all right. I probably won't ever myself want to watch it again. I'm hanging out with people and they have it on, then sure. But um, I personally, you know, I'm not really with the hype. Um, I didn't hate it, but sue me. Yeah, I think... One of my favorite parts was in the jail scene, which I mean, that was when the movie really did kick off. Though. Yeah. I love yeah. the re- I love the reveal, like the double reveal of whatever the hell that twin's name was uh, with the sister finding out and then uh, the main character finding out at the same yeah. time. But she's in the jail cell and I just started yelling, oh, my God, that's Zoe Bell. And Steve was like, what are you sure? Oh, my God. Yes, it's fucking Zoe Bell. And I had to like drag up imdb immediately i'm it fucking is i told you it's zoe bell or recognize that profile of hers anywhere i was so excited because i love her from death proof i also the other thing i think that i really enjoyed and in retrospect i'm mad because it should have been more of a giveaway to me than it was uh when you see the killer running and it looks like he's running in reverse yeah that's actually, it's not a special effect because I looked at Steve and I was like, they have filmed this person running and they're playing it backwards. Like this person's running in reverse is really creepy. Yeah. Because all these joints are going the wrong way. Right. And I was like half right because that's a contortionist and she was actually just running like that. I love that. I love that Fantastic. Yes. Yeah, like it was really creepy. And then at the end, I was like, oh, right. Like that should have been a bigger like cue to me that this person's being controlled like from the back of the head. But yeah, that I really, really like that effect. That was very cool. I respect that woman a lot. But yeah, I agree. Yeah. That was absolutely fantastic. Like on the whole, a lot of people I'm seeing just absolutely hate it and say it was boring, it was a waste of time. I don't agree with that. And then, like, there are people who just absolutely love it, and it's the best movie of the year, and I don't agree with that. No. Like, it was fine. I'm, I'm with Troy. I don't know if I ever need to watch it again. But <laughs> it, it was, I'm glad I saw it once, but I'm good. It, um, it, was, it was fine, and I don't plan to watch it again. Yeah. I, I never know. It might come up in passing, like, just somebody else. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love, the, um, I love the contortionist stuff. I love the practical stuff. Absolutely fantastic. Um, And this is coming from someone, myself, who doesn't think that CGI is horrible in in horror movies, per se. Watch watch, uh, Piranha 3D. Uh, That is a 73% on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's literally fucking CGI piranhas eating porn stars and Eli Roth. Um. And it's fantastic. That movie is absolutely so much fun. And there's a, there are, there's a lot of CGI fish, but there's a lot of practical gore. All the gore is nearly practical in that movie, and there's, there's gore in abundance. I don't know if you all are familiar with, not 3DD, but Piranha 3D. Absolutely wonderful. Um, but in this movie, I, I hated the CGI blood splatter. I was just groaning every time. And I do think the first, like, Two thirds of the movie were pretty boring. Like for me, I, I you know, I, I enjoyed it when it picked up. Uh, not boring enough to the point to where I was like, you know, had to, you know, I was on my phone, but like boring was like, all right, can it pick up and like get to the stuff? I, you know, um, I hated when that blender was there at the beginning of the movie too, and they didn't do anything with that. I was, you know, they showed the blades and the blender, and I was like, oh, somebody's going to get their oh, fucking yeah. hand cut up. That, I forgot that was there. Yeah. Cheated, cheated me on. I love, I love seeing a blender in a horror movie. <laughs> fucking love it. Cause I'm like, yes, blender gore effects. And it didn't fucking happen. It didn't, did it? Nope. Did not. 
<laughs> All right. So let's move on real quick. Uh, is there any other movies besides Malignant that we just spent 20 minutes talking about <laughs> that you want to talk about real quick before we move on to our hot takes? I just watched one and it was so weird that I have to talk about it because it sounds god awful and it was not. Uh, it's called Isolation. And one of the actors is Essie Davis, who is the mom in the Babadook. It is about a cow. It's uh, it's like the thing and alien kind of combined set on a farm. And the scariest thing on it is a cow or specifically like a cow fetus. Like there's a scene where Essie Davis is a vet. There's a scene where she sticks her entire arm up a cow and gets bit by the cow fetus inside. Okay. And like the amazing thing is this sounds like it's going to be like rubber or thanks killing or something. Like it's going to be this horrible cheesy thing. And it actually wasn't, it was really kind of gritty and tense and I've actually, like, I loved it. I wasn't sure going in how I was going to feel about it, but I liked it a lot. I actually really, really recommend it. It was cool as hell. That sounds really awesome. I mean, like, <laughs> that ridiculousness is really up my alley. You say something about a cow fetus. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm in. That's all you had to say. Yeah, it, it was a cow. <laughs> Again, I cannot emphasize enough that it, it is a cow. It's awesome. You spend half the movie, like, staring at a cow ominously. I mean, as we all do. Yes. Yeah. But it works. Yeah. And then we, we watched Good Manners together, which was very good uh, for a movie that is actually two movies combined. It's a okay. Brazilian movie about uh, lesbians, and one of them ends up giving birth to a werewolf. And it was very good, except after about an hour, there's this like very natural stopping point. And then we got irritated because the movie kept going. And then we paused it. And we're like, oh, there's an hour and 15 minutes left. So it was it's good. It's on shutter. It was very nice. But just be warned before you get into it that like it's there are two movies. You could very much pause it and like come back to it the next day and watch the second. Yeah, half of it. this is one of those movies it's rare that I'm complaining that there's not a sequel because they could have cut that movie in half mm -hmm. and just had a natural sequel to it. But okay. instead they, they, they put it together and it just didn't make a lot of sense. Cause like through halfway through the movie, I'm sitting here and I'm like, I'm out, I'm done. This movie's done for me. <laughs> like I'm done. I'm yeah. done. I, it, it took me a second to get back into it. Cause I'm yeah. just like, this movie is over in my head. Where is yeah. it over, over, over. It's on Shutter. Oh, what's it called again? Good manners. Good manners. Okay. It was very, very good. Like I don't like subtitles. I have a hard time paying attention when I have to read a movie. But oh no! It, for two hours and fifteen minutes of reading subtitles, it was worth it. I fucking love but, subtitles so much. Well, yeah, it's, it'd be right up your alley. Then I was like, this is lesbians and werewolf like i have to watch this thing that's awesome to be fair to be fair she likes dubbed movies though that's cool I, there's a lot of movies i like that are dubbed yes dubbed is fine i, I like that fine it's the i don't like even like captions on english movies it's just the the lettering distracts me too much oh i, I love it so much oh i just <laughs> eat it up fucking captions <laughs> And then I'm going to bring up what we watched last night. Uh, we watched the remake, quote unquote, of House of Wax. Oh, yeah. The one for with, with uh, Paris Hilton. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's cool. That was great. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun, man. We both we both really, really liked it. Yeah, uh, we grew on I mean, I think I think we both seen it at some point in the past, but like I don't remember any of it because I'm oh, thinking of the original. Remember. I don't remember hardly any of it because I'm thinking of the old House of Wax. And I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, this is not. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we both really, really liked that. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Even if some of the some of the effects, I was just like, this doesn't make sense in reality. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh. But it was a lot of fun to watch either way. 
Yeah, I think it's good. I remember watching it when it came out. It was one of those movies that um, in my formative teenage years, because what came out in 2005. Is that right? Four or five, something like that. Well, that came out. So I would have been I would have been 14, 15 at the time. Um, So like when it came out, I remember I remember like being with friends who had rented. I feel like I saw it in the movie theaters Um, because I started like I started being able to like, well, not being able to. That's that's an oxymoron. I was about to say I was able to sneak into R rated movies. That's a stupid thing to say. Retract that. I <laughs> I started sneaking in to go see R-rated movies in the movie theater when I was like 12 or 13. And I remember uh, when I got closer to being 17, no one gave a shit. And that was one of the movies I went to go see. I remember I was with people who rented it a couple times. And people talk mad shit because it was Paris Hilton. Where in reality, like Paris Hilton's not a not not a bad actor. I mean, watch Repo. Paris Hilton's wonderful in Repo. Um, yes. Absolutely. I, I am a Paris Hilton repo stan. Um, Same. Yeah. Great, great performance. Um, yeah. House of Wax is a really fun mid 2000s uh, slasher movie. I had, a, I had a really great time. I haven't watched it in a, in a little while, but um, also that guy from the Disney Channel in it, the uh, uh, the black guy, he was in um he was in some like Disney Channel shit at the time, and I, I, I he was in that too. Also, it's like half the cast of Gilmore Girls in it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it does. It is two guys from the Gilmore Girls who were rivals in the show, and they were also like fighting all the way through the movie, and it was just hilarious. Oh yeah, and um, it has. Does it have a dude from Supernatural in it too? Yes, he is one of the Gilmore Girls. Yeah, okay. uh, Jared Jared Padalecki. Yes. I don't know too much about the Gilmore Girls. I was about to say um, Is a Chad Michael Murray in the Gilmore Girls too? Yes, he's the other one. How about that? Very good. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move on to our hot takes part of this episode. All right. Let's move on to our uh, hot takes section here of this episode. Uh, I see a grin on Hannah's face. So let's start with Hannah. Hannah, what is your hot take of this round? All right. So my hot take is on Darren Aronofsky's film, Mother. It is not good. That movie is awful. It is pretentious, boring garbage that relies on making you uncomfortable as opposed to having any actual merit. That is half of it. The other half is every time you say this is not a good movie, someone, usually a white man, will pipe in and go, you only think it's bad because you didn't understand it. It's actually a metaphor for the Bible. It's actually about the way we treat Mother Earth. Okay, guys, that doesn't help. That is not that deep. We all get it. No one missed that because it's real fucking surface level. It does not make it better. It makes it more pretentious. It sucks and you suck. Stop doing that. I love the energy here. I absolutely do. (laughs) I have had like four years to come up with this. I fucking hate it. You know what that movie was about? You know what the actual underlying message of that movie was? It is about the unbearable tension of dating Darren Aronofsky. You know, he, was, he was dating Jennifer Lewis or the Jennifer Lawrence at the time he made that movie. Was he? Yes, they were together. Okay. He put her through. Yep. He put her character through all that shit while she's dating the poet, the creator all that time. And he's the one creating that fucking thing. That is what that movie is actually about. You want to impress me? You come up with that take on your own. And then I will be interested in what you have to fucking say about that movie. Otherwise, you can keep your lukewarm take to yourself. I don't like Jennifer Lawrence that much, to be honest with you. I, she's, I have no strong feelings, actually. She's fine. Mm, the uh, movie is not. I've never seen it, if you can believe that. I've actually... Really? I've never watched it. Uh, we were actually talking uh, earlier. We're like, man, boys, either going to love this movie or hate it. I don't no, know. No, I've heard, I've heard mostly <laughs> negative things about the movie, which is why I've 
put off watching it. I know like a baby gets ripped apart at the end of the movie or yes. something. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not Jesus. worth it's not worth the like hour and a half staring at the back of Jennifer Lawrence's head the whole no. time. Why? Um, Why did he do that? I think I saw something about it. I was like, this seems like it's going to be like a from what it came across. I know it's people told me it's not, but the, what I got was uh, Jennifer Lawrence and Javier Bardem. Yeah. Bardem, Bardem, sorry, Bardem, whatever, Bardem moved into the house and then uh, constantly like meet other people. I was like, oh, this seems like it's going to be like Rosemary's baby or something. And people told me it's not like that, but it's it's, anyway. it's it's pretty obviously the book of Genesis being played out inside of their house. Like, okay. like we were sitting there watching it and it's like, okay, yeah, no, like his brother shows up and then he has to kill his brother. Like, it's just constantly the book of Genesis. And I get that like somebody can be like, Ooh, it's deeper than that, but it's, it's really not. It's just the fucking book of Genesis. I got that shit in church and I really don't want to in a movie. <laughs> so, I've seen a lot of Aronofsky. I've seen the wrestler and I've seen Requiem for a dream a million times. Um, yeah. and I didn't seen- like Requiem either. So I think like, yeah. I just don't like his movies very much. So okay, his, his editing style is really jarring. So either you love it or you hate it. It's very stylized. Like if you watch, um, yeah, especially if you watch Requiem for a Dream, it's almost like watching a music video at parts with how, yes. you know, like how the camera work is. I agree with you hundred um, percent. I'm, I'm indifferent. All right. So Hannah, any other thoughts on your hot take before we move on? <laughs> Just picture me holding up two middle fingers to Darren Aronofsky for the rest of my fucking life. All See, right, that solidifies, that solidifies what I think too. So, <laughs> all right, I'm, gl- I'm uh, glad Jennifer Lawrence dumped his ass. All right, Stephen. <laughs> yeah. So my hot take is completely different. I'm very curious. Mine is about <laughs> Rob Zombie movies. Uh, I yeah, I love Rob Zombie movies. In fact, there's only one Rob Zombie movie that I can think of that I don't like. And that is three from hell. I am so tired of hearing Rob zombie movies are just white trash movies or the trashy movies, bitch. Like you watch every single wrong turn movie. And then you're going to sit there and tell me you don't like Rob zombie movies. Cause they're trashy. Like, fuck you. <laughs> like, honestly, just fuck you. And then while I'm at it on this tangent here, I'm so sick of hearing that Sherry Moon Zombie is a bad actor. Like House of a Thousand, I get it. Like yeah, she's just coming into it. She's not that great. But horror is not known for acting 90% of the time. It's not. We just watched House of Wax last night and the acting, not that great. Like, so it's really just not a very good take when you're sitting there going, Sherry Moon Zombie, stop casting Sherry Moon Zombie because she just can't act. But it's like, uh, you know, people besides him cast their spouses all the time. Like Tim Burton, Castellina, Butter Carter, and fucking everything forever until they got a divorce. So it just felt kind of like a hypocritical thing for people to say about Sherry Moon. But and there's just a couple people on my Facebook that have said that constantly. White trash, Rob Zombie movies, or they're all just trash. And especially with the monsters coming up, they've really been like, oh, yeah, Herman Monsters is going to be like a white trash guy that beats kids and all this shit. And it's like, that's a bad take. That's such a bad take. I'm excited for the monsters movie. I see how much love he's putting into it. I feel like it's going to be really fun. I feel like it's going to be a really fun movie. That's pretty. It from like knowing like from seeing like everything about Rob Zombie and how strongly he feels about specific horror, like universal horror which that'll when we like whenever it comes to me i'll talk more about universal horror um it seems like horror that was you know prevalent between like the 50s and 70s he's super into so i'm really excited to see his take on a on a property that existed back when he was like a fan of that so i'm really excited i i don't i think it's really short-sighted to think that he's going to be it's going to be like white trash monsters i don't it doesn't seem like that at all i just i think that that's a really shitty take for most of his movies yeah like 
it, it's it's I mean, House of a Thousand and the Devil's Rejects are nothing but the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies, but they're mixed up. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like the tone of House of a Thousand Corpses is Texas Chainsaw 2, but it's the story of Texas Chainsaw 1 and vice versa with the Devil's Rejects. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. like, if you like those two movies, how can you complain, like legitimately complain about the Rob Zombie versions? I feel that. If you don't like if you don't like them, that's one thing. If you're like, hey, those are not my thing, more power to you. Sure. Like, there's Rob Zombie movies I love that not a lot of people love. I love Lords of Salem. Um, yeah, I really 31. like Lords of Salem. 31 doesn't get a lot of love. I like 31. Yeah. I know she likes 31. I'm I'm actually not a huge well, I saw it once and I, I was I I feel like I was I was bored when I watched it. I'll have to rewatch it maybe. Um I didn't like the opening. The opening of thirty one is some of the best horror yes. I've seen, like horror cinema. Like just that that yeah. long shot of him coming in and talking to the camera, like Richard Brake. And Richard Brake's creepy to begin with. So like, <laughs> yeah. So it's just I'm tired of hearing baseless criticism of Rob Zombie and Sherry Moon Zombie, especially Sherry Moon. Um, if you don't like him, that's cool. I'm not going to blame you for that, but yeah. I am going to blame you if it's like a constant thing where you're like, oh, his movies are bad. Why is he still making movies? You oh, he especially the Halloween remakes. It's like, oh, they're so bad. They're so bad all the time. And it's like they're a different take of yeah. the same story. And it's a movie you love that he's doing a different take of. So I get that you might not like it, but that doesn't mean you have to constantly barrage everybody else with, oh, it's white trash. Oh, we didn't need this. Oh, this is unnecessary. Blah, 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 blah. blah. It's just constant, it feels yeah. like. Yeah. Go back and watch the original Halloween if you don't like it so much. And this is coming from someone who's not like a huge fan of, of his house. Ha- I will say this about Rob Zombie's Halloween. I liked the first I like the first half of it more than the second half. And be, that's because I feel like the first half of the first of his first Halloween was much more his own take on everything. And then I feel like as soon as it got to uh, Lori at school and, he, and she looked at the window, it became like like a shot for shot. Re- not not like verbatim, but like a shot for shot remake. Like they followed this basically the same like the same steps, like they hit the yeah. same notes and everything. And I was like, Oh, okay. This seems more like just like a, <clears throat> you know, by color by numbers remake. But the, before that I was like, Oh, Rob Zombie's going a lot doing his own thing. I wish that would have stayed the same through the movie. And I feel like I would have liked it more. And even if you don't like two, because of all the dream sequences and all the craziness, the one thing you can say is that like, he really went balls out and said, I'm going to really fucking do what I want to do. And it's, I wouldn't even consider it a remake of two aside from like the, the beginning, a sequence of, we no, no, you know, it's Rob Zombie's Halloween too. It's not yeah. a remake of Halloween too. I'm not, and this um, is good for someone, not a fan of it either, but you know, I understand yeah. its merits, you know? Yeah. And, I actually kind of liked that they, he went his own way in the beginning, but still brought it back to, the original like story of Halloween and kind of, you know, cause, cause you're watching and you're like, all right, all right, all right. Oh, okay. Now this is Halloween. And it's still like, he still did different stuff with it, with the same story. Right. So to me, that makes Halloween Rob Zombie's Halloween, one of the most like perfect types of remakes right. where you're not doing it. You're not doing a shot for shot, but you're not just going, way out there where it's like is this even a remake or or a sequel? what is this it's in the middle he does his own thing he does his own style yeah but it's still halloween and for me i that i respect that and i respect yeah. rob zombie as a filmmaker he's one of my favorite directors out there actually so yeah it's also of, you know like, like you don't hear anything bad about rob's as far as like all the shit that comes out in the light of all the abusers and all of, you know, all the people who have sorted pasts and everything, you know, like all the shit that came out against Marilyn Manson, all the shit. Well, if you like Pantera for some reason, uh, Phil Anselmo being a piece of shit racist, nothing's really came out negatively about Rob Zombie. Hold up. You know? 
Was anybody shocked that a member of Pantera was racist? <laughs> I'll just say, like, people, you would be surprised. People of the metal community, I, I was just watching a thing about this. So, like, Phil Anselmo said he didn't say white power. There's a whole thing where he was, like, straight up Nazi saluting on stage and screaming white power and then told fucking everybody, oh, I didn't say that, I said wine power because I was drunk, like W-I-N-E. And people fucking believed him. Oh, Jesus. Fucking, yeah, I fucking, I'm a, I'm a metalhead. I fucking hate metalheads sometimes. I'm just saying Rob Zombie, regardless if you necessarily like his music, his movies, I'm certainly a fan. You, he's a good, like, he's been, he's been with Sherry Moon Zombie for how long? And they're, um, they're, they seem still really happy. I was watching a video with them at uh, yeah. a video about them at a uh, universal horn or uh, Halloween horror nights at universal studios. And they walked through a house of a thousand corpses uh, haunt. It was so cool. Really surreal. Real fun to watch. Huh. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Baby right. ran into like cherry moons. Zombie ran into baby in there. And it was really surreal. <laughs> All right. Hannah, do you have anything to say about my hot take? Well, I'm no, I I love Rob Zombie. I talked last time about preferring his Halloween to the original, so I'm definitely on board with this pro Rob Zombie thing. I'm excited to watch um, his Halloween and Halloween Two again here soon, because apparently a lot of people actually really like his Halloween Two, and that's one that I don't really. Yeah, it's so. I'm kind of interested to watch it again. I want to give it another shot and see if maybe this time I'll feel a little more positive about it. Cause in the past I haven't necessarily, but maybe this time will be the game changer for it. I feel that. Um, one thing I've noticed that is so like a really weird Halloween remake fact. Um, if you ever buy the movie physically, Usually you can only get the director's cut of it. And uh -huh. I don't necessarily like the director's cut better because one of the added scenes for no reason is just a rape scene. Oh uh, yeah. And the original one, the does, first one. No. Yeah. In the, well, in the, uh, in the, in the original cut of Rob Zombie's Halloween, it's yeah. not in there. In the director, in the director's cut, it just randomly adds a scene uh, no. in the hospital. Uh, yeah, and I'm just like, it, there's literally no reason for it. It has no. no business being in the movie. I'm like, why do you have a fucking rape scene in here? No, it's gross. It adds, yeah. it adds nothing. It's not like it gives Michael any like motivation yeah. to do anything because he doesn't care. He just sits right. there until the guy like grabs his mask, and that's what makes him get up and attack. Yeah, yeah. I don't. That's one where I'm like, come on, you did not need to do that. Nobody needed to see that. That did not need to be in your movie. But yeah, it's yeah, yeah. no, I'm I'm with it's, you on that one. I don't care for that. It's really weird. You have to buy okay. You from my to my understanding, there's a Canadian release, which is still region one. It would work in any Blu-ray player for anybody here in North America. The Canadian release that's a dual pack of Halloween one and two has the theatrical cut. But my Halloween 15 disc box set does not have the theatrical cut of Rob Zombie's. Uh, first Halloween. Mm. It just has the director's cut. Oh, yes. it. The, the last thing I want to say about uh, Rob Zombie or Halloween is that I've really liked that he added the aspect of Michael just being obsessed with masks. Like, because yeah. like, yeah, he likes, he likes his, in, in the original, he likes his little clown mask. And of course, then like he, he steals his original, you know, the mask we know him as, but yeah. like it's it's a different level of characterization from Rob Zombie to make Michael really into masks, just like like possessive of them, um, which they kind of did in 2018 in the opening thing. Like he's really attached to his mask, but yeah, he seeks Rob Zombie, out. yeah, uh, but Rob Zombie like really showed like the possessiveness of Michael in his mask, yeah. Um, okay. But that's my take. Stop talking about Sherry Moon being a bad actor. She's no worse than any other horror actor on the planet. Uh, and stop bitching about Rob Zombie movies, please. Just if you don't like them, don't watch them like everything else. 
Uh, all right, Troy, what is your hot take? Oh man, mine actually might upset some people because <laughs> I forget that some people are way more fans of these than others. But so it just, I kind of came to the realization that um, I, I don't know if it's, this is just, and this is my opinion. I'm prefacing this because I'm worried about saying it. Um, like universal horror movie, monster movies, Dracula, Frankenstein, um, the Wolfman. I say this with the, with the understanding and like knowing 100% that these movies are insanely significant and invaluable to the horror movie genre as a whole. I understand that 100%. I do not think that the movies are unimportant. I'm, I say that with, you know, I say what I'm saying with that in mind. I think there is like most of them are like a slog to sit through. I tried watching. I remember I tried recently watching Dracula from like 1931 or, or the thirties with Bela Lugosi. I understand it's an iconic movie with an iconic character, but God damn, if that movie wasn't a fucking slog to sit through it, like I had to force myself to sit and watch it. And it's crazy because you, if you ever see like a lot of influence, like a lot of, a lot of directors influence uh, influences with their horror movies, they'll just always cite, you know, Frankenstein or Bela Lugosi or, um, uh, oh, what's his name? I've been drinking. Um, played Frankenstein. Um, Boris Karloff. Boris Karloff. Or, uh, you know, he played the Wolfman. Um, the Junior. What's his, what's his, what's the name I'm trying to think of? Uh, Junior? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, what's his name? He played the I'm blanking. Lon Chaney Jr. Yeah, Lon Chaney Jr. played the fucking Wolfman. I understand the significance of these movies, but I I feel like even watching like shot on video garbage movies, like there's like a like there's a, a, a shot on video movie called Violent Shit. I could watch Violent Shit, and it's not good. Versus. Frankenstein or Dracula. I love, like, I understand the greatness of their aesthetics. Um, and there's exceptions. Like I like Bride of Frankenstein more than I like Frankenstein. I feel like that's a general consensus though. I feel like Bride of Frankenstein is always seen as better, but like specifically Dracula, I just, it's just so hard for me to sit and watch them. I don't know what it is. I'm just bored. I'm just bored. And I think it's just, I'm, uh, spoiled on, you know, all these different stylized movies that I've come, you know, grown accustomed to that are in some way, shape or form inspired by these other movies. Um, and I have my first day of my, um, movie challenge coming up. Um, like I said, it's a whole list called the Voidoween movie challenge um or 31 days of voidoween um movie challenge yeah and the first one is universal monsters you know what i'm gonna do for the universal monsters i'm gonna fucking watch monster squad because those are all fucking universal movie monsters and that movie is amazing and that movie is squad i fucking love that movie so much um I love it because every time, because I feel like so many people have never heard of it. And I'm like, do you like the Goonies? Yeah. Fucking watch Monster Squad. It's just spooky Goonies. Um, it's better than the Goonies, but that's my hot take for another day. That's a great, no, it's a great hot take. I, I think it's, you know, it's like, as a diehard horror fan, yeah, fucking Monster Squad's better than Goonies. I like Goonies a lot too, but I'm just saying, um, like that's how that's how uh stubborn i'm being about watching a a, you know i was thinking like okay i'll watch the invisible man which i know that's grouped in with them but it doesn't come off like a monster because it's a man you know you have creature the black lagoon and all the all the others and you have a man but i was going to watch that 
That's my hot take, though, is that I think that Universal Movie Monster movies are boring. I I generally think that they're boring movies. And I think that the people who love them grew up on those movies and have nostalgic connections. I'm just saying it's like um, if you play, if you grew up on playing Atari 2600 and then you've constantly went through the years of playing newer video games and you try to go back to playing Atari, you're going to like it for nostalgic reasons because you associate really good memories, I'm assuming, with the Atari. But it's going to be a more boring experience considering you're spoiled on all of these other, more, even like 10 years after that, you're like, games got better. That's, that's my hot take, though. All right. Uh, well, you say it's hot, but I know at least one person agrees with you. Hannah, what do you think? I'm so happy. <laughs> uh, okay. I'll be like, I want to just be like, yeah, those movies are boring as shit, but I got to admit, I've not seen many of them because right. I, I refuse to watch most movies that old because I've tried some and they're all boring as shit. And that doesn't, that's not limited to me to horror. Right. Uh, I, I got to admit, I like Gone with the Wind, and that's about it. Anything anything that far back, like, I just, I'm not, no, like, I'm not watching it. I don't like them. I'm with you. Like, I get it. They're formative. They're an important foundation for the genre, whatever. But no, you, I, the, Modern audiences cannot be expected to sit and watch that stuff and be like, yeah, this is a good time. This is what I want to do on a Friday night is pop some popcorn and sit here and watch something with a visible zipper running up its back from the 19 fucking 30s. No, fuck that. There are actual movies that we can watch. Yeah, there's good ones. Uh, I know it's not that it's not that old, but like House on Haunted Hill from 1959. Vincent Price came on Elvira's special on Shutter, which it's live now. If anybody hasn't watched it, it's okay. I love that movie. That movie's great. That movie's really kind of spooky, and that's like not as boring. That's why I mean, that's why I like it so much. But yeah, I think they're just shot so boring. Like, and that's before like you know movies got you really more experimental with their with their uh, cinematography and photography and lighting and things like that. I just thought it was just very hard to sit through. We watched The Innocence recently. I think it's 1960. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a remake or an adaptation of The Turn of the Screw. Okay. And like it was, it was okay. It was slow though. Like it eventually picked up, but yeah, the acting is not. I always say it was before people learned how to act. I think they were still (laughs) kind of, well, they were still getting used to film. I think after everything being more geared toward the stage where everything has to be so much more dramatic and bigger gestures and uh, everything's so over-exaggerated and it's totally different if you're on camera that can pick up much more subtlety. Yeah. And yeah, it's just, it's not, it's so unrealistic. It's harder to watch now, even if it's something you're interested in. I think yes. that's one reason I like remakes better. It's like they can do the same thing now and they can do it with better production values and better acting. <laughs> it, it Why? Depends Why would you watch yeah. it? Watch the lesser version. Sorry, not sorry. It depends for me. Like for instance, if you watch, if you watch stepfather, there, if you watch that between the remake the, I, I personally feel like that I'm not going to go into much, but like the original stepfather is way better than the remake or like the fog. Oh my God. You ever watched the 2005 fog remake? It's horrendous. <laughs> my God. That movie fucking sucks. That movie's garbage. That movie I saw it in theaters and I regret, I regret seeing that movie in theaters. It is a fucking dumpster fire. Um, the sixties okay. is about the latest back that I'll go and still be really interested. Being beginning with like Psycho, yeah, hated Psycho, oh. <laughs> which is a good time to stop me from talking. Uh, uh, okay, 
so I respect the opinion that like universal monster movies are a slog because I do agree that like a hundred percent, I think the mummy and I think Dracula are both a slog. Like, yeah, I, I really do. I think like, like Dracula, like the sound design is just not that great. Like it's just makes it harder, especially for older movies. I love Frankenstein. Um, and I love Bride of Frankenstein. I do like Bride of Frankenstein. Um, but I mean, that's a hell of a hot take. Uh, my addition to it is I think Hammer did it all better. Oh, yeah. Uh, fuck yeah. 100%. I agree with that whole fucking heartedly. Hammer did it way better. I love Hammer horror movies. Yeah. Yep. Hammer did Dracula better. It did Frankenstein better. It, yeah. it did a better, better Dr. Hyde. It did like all of that better. It did the crossovers better. Hammer is superior to Universal Monsters in every way, and it influenced horror in a different way and in a better way than yes. what Universal did. Um, so I agree with that a hundred percent. Even if I do really like some Universal Monster movies, that they can be a slog. I feel like that's completely valid to like really like Universal Monster movies. I feel like the aesthetic oh, is. is the aesthetic is peak horror. Like you don't get more like you know it's horror than seeing a fucking Universal monster. Like what you saw in Frankenstein yeah. is the template for what Frankenstein always looks like, basically. Yeah. Same with all the others. Yeah. All right. So we are out of time. So we're gonna move into the end here. Um, Troy, you are the next mandate for our Halloween yes episode and our one year anniversary. What movie is that? It is the guest, and I'm so fucking excited. Um, the guest is. I wanted to, to switch it up a little bit because the movie inherently is not completely horror, but it's so it's, it's so based on Halloween. The movie revolves so much around Halloween. Um. Uh, the, the movie itself is one of my favorite from the decade, from the music to the way it's shot to fucking Dan Stevens. Dan Stevens is hot as fuck. Um, the other characters that has, uh, I can't remember her name, but she was in um, It Follows, the, the, the main fucking girl. Yeah. She's the, she's oh, the, main, yeah, yeah. She's the main girl in, in The Guest, directed by Adam Wingard. Written by the guy who always writes for Adam Wingard. It's one of his Adam Wingard's best fucking movies. You could you could describe it as a mix between um, the Terminator and Halloween and like a couple other things. And I say that because I said it's not horror, but there's instances where you see life like lifelessness in him, where he's just like blank like very Michael Myers like in a lot of bits and it's amazing. Okay. I'm, I'm so stoked for you guys to watch it. Oh yeah. Well, we will give it a watch this on Netflix, I think. season. Yeah. I think it's on Netflix. I think, I think so. But uh, until then we will have a mini sode and this next mini sode is probably just going to be a giant reaction to Halloween kills. Uh, <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, are we, are we all, are you all planning to go see it in the movie theaters too? That is the plan as of now. Okay. I'm going to see it. I will see it multiple times. So I'm going to definitely see it the day of it opens. And if you all are going to see it at a time past there, I will uh, absolutely tag along if y'all guys want me to. We'll just have to see what it's like then and what's going on. We're playing everything by second right now. Streaming Uh, is cool too. Yeah. Uh, But until next time, I'm Steven. I'm Hannah. I am Troy. All right. We'll see you next time. This podcast was made by horror fans like yourself. Intro music by Aaron Burcham.